Welcome back to a very special episode of EFL Freezer Crowd Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Andy. Afternoon, gents. Afternoon. And Luke. How are we, lads? Yeah, yeah not too bad. Excited for this uh, special episode. In a week where Big Mick McCarthy is back, Millwall have won and lost, and we've made a signing of our own. Welcome back to the pod. Well, this week, I have the pleasure of introducing a rather special guest. We've got with us this week, Sack Race, Who Scored, and Bet Victor writer and all-round EFL pundit, Gab Sutton. Welcome to the show, Gab. Hello, James. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting EFL with you all. I think we'll get straight into uh, talking about transfers today with you, Gab. Um, one, we've got a Millwall fan in myself, Birmingham, with you. So I think the best place to start is the strong rumour that Michael Kiftenbeld may be joining Millwall very soon. I mean, I've always said, like, you can judge a transfer mostly by the fans' reactions on Twitter, and the Birmingham fans don't seem very pleased about him leaving. Yeah, um, I think he's quite a popular uh, figure, uh, Kiftenbeld, because he's um, he's been at the Blues since, I think, 2015, when actually Gary Rowett brought him in and he's he's always been a very tenacious player I think you know sometimes Blues have had teams that have been struggling down the bottom but he's always been the one that's kind of given his, his heart and soul and he was particularly good in the 18-19 season when we probably could have challenged for the playoffs under Gary Monk were it not for the points to that and he's uh, he's very tenacious. I think is the, the main thing. He's um, very good in terms of the recovery runs. He's um, you know sort of slapping back with challenges and things like that. And, and he's a very difficult player to get past. Um, I, I can totally understand why why Rout has brought him to Millwall. I think of him in some respects. As, as the archetypal Millwall player in the sense that he's um, got very little technical ability. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh, welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm least fan, I can say it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think he's, uh, I'm, I'm sure your fans will take for him because yeah, you know he'll give, every, give everything uh, in every game, really. Yeah, that is the sort of thing we struggle with. I mean, you joke about it, but we do have a lot of those type of players where... It's sort of, if you're not playing the Millwall way, we don't want you. That might mean we, we always become that League One to Championship type club or we'll never quite push on. But it's interesting because we're sort of desperate for an attacking type midfielder. So it doesn't really sound like he's going to, at least maybe he might be able to be the one to sit deeper and we can push maybe Woods up further. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting signing. Well, no, no, I was, I was just going to kind of pick up on uh, Andy's point there because uh, in terms of attacking midfielders, because you've got Ben Thompson, who I've been quite a big fan of for a while because, yes, he's got that, uh, the wall non-negotiables, as you'll call it, because he's very sort but he's also got those goal-scoring instincts and maybe he's a bit better technically than, than given credit for. I think he started in your last league win. Is he someone you'd maybe like to see a bit more of? He's someone that divides the fans, to be honest. Like You've got some that absolutely love him because, as you say, the Millwall-type player. But then there's others that, that I probably fall into this camp now where he does seem to lack that composure on the ball and he's a little bit of a, a fighter in midfield. I mean, I know Portsmouth fans absolutely loved him when he was yeah. down there last season or season before, whenever it was. Um, 
But I don't think that he's going to be the type of player that at this level that's going to really push us on in that attacking midfield position. So it's, I think there's still a position we're going to look at in this window. I'm not sure where else we can go. Apparently, we've made some bids for some young players. But, you know, I think that's something that managers always seem to say. <laughs> and then just to wrap up on Millwall, we don't want to talk about Millwall all day. I mean, Ken Zahor being renewed till the end of the season's really big for us. Yeah. Hopefully, Troy Parrott might come good. He's going to stay until the end of the year, it looks like, as well. And then we'll just see where it goes. Maybe, hopefully, there, we'll have some more next week to talk about. Yeah, is, is, there, is there some scope for... Um, I know you spoke last week about um, that kind of being a little bit braver, maybe, and pushing, pushing on... And yeah, kind of pushing someone into that number 10 rather than sitting so deep. Um, but then it maybe would leave you exposed defensively. But would there not be some scope for maybe dropping Parrott back into the number 10? Could he do it? Just because he's not exactly finding the net frequently. I just wonder whether he could maybe, if you did bring in um, that kind of fighter in midfield who would sit deep for you, would Parrott be able to do the number 10 role? Or is that not something you think he could do? Uh, well, he hasn't really been played in the number nine role either. So, and he, he's, been, <laughs> he's been played in a sort of inside forward position a lot of the time. And he, yeah. he really hasn't looked up to it, which is really disappointing. Uh, maybe you need to run in the side. I mean, I probably think he needs to play for a team that plays better football. <laughs> goals. Uh, but we, all our strikers struggle to score goals, to be honest. So it's not. I don't think Parrot moving him into a 10 is going to help anything, to be honest. I think he's got to play up front if he's going to play. I suppose with Zahor, like he's got that uh, combination of being pretty strong and having a little bit of mobility, which probably isn't something you've had from strikers since uh, the peak, you know, Morrison and Gregory years in 17-18, because you've got uh, Matt Smith, who's good in the air, but isn't very quick. And then you've got uh, Tom Bradshaw, who's a willing runner, but doesn't have a physical quality. So Kenneth the horse strikes me as a decent kind of halfway house. So hopefully you can keep him. But yeah, there were rumours that Allardyce was going to bring him back to help the West Brom survival bid. But luckily those have gone quiet now. Yeah, he, <laughs> he had a couple of good games at the start of his spell and of course got injured. So we've we yet to see the best of him in this little second spell after injury. So if we're going to play one up front, it's got to be him really because... Bradshaw doesn't have it in him to play on his own. Smith, he just doesn't fancy at all, even though he seems to score every time he comes on. And like I said, Parrot, a little bit off at the moment at this level, I think. So we'll see see where it goes. And also a mention for Danny McNamara coming back from St. Johnston. Yeah. It seems like it, it's given the squad a real, well, lift. So we we'll say that we lost 3-0 yesterday, but he wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think Romeo needed someone to challenge him at right back. And I think McNamara could be the number one choice at the moment. But that's enough on Millwall, I think, for, for anyone's ears. <laughs> Certainly for mine. Like I said, it, uh, if we move on to Coventry quickly, I said Keefton Bell's Birmingham fans don't seem too happy to see him go. Swansea fans did seem happy that uh, <laughs> Victor Giorakes, is it? Uh, was uh, recalled from his loan and then sent to Coventry. So I was wondering how, what you yeah. think about that signing, all of you. Yeah, it's a really it's a really weird one for me because obviously it's totally different budgets. Um, they had a budget which allowed them to bring him in as maybe someone they could come off the bench. Whereas at the moment with Matty Godden out injured, with Walker out injured, and now Robin saying that um, Biamu is actually injured but playing through the pain barrier is obviously not a great sign. So you're thinking, go on, <laughs> bring bring someone in who's going to get some goals for us. 
And it, it just feels, I don't know, the mood was a bit flat when you announced someone who's played uh, 11 games for Swansea with no goals in the league. And it's just, and their fans, as you say on Twitter, seemed so happy that he was leaving. And that, that's just not something you want to see. What I would say is um, he didn't get many starts in that time. And actually, I think with the way that we're playing at the moment, he, I don't know, he does look like he'll be a willing runner for us. I don't know if you watched the um, the game in midweek against Reading and yeah, okay, the final score was was atrocious for us, but they're flying at the moment. And actually, I think we controlled a lot of the play, but if we can use him a little bit better, because he kept finding himself out wide. Um, and I think maybe just on a debut, trying to prove a point, um, he, he was just kind of overdoing it somewhat, just trying to get wide. Um, but actually, I think through the middle, if we can find him in... in in the right areas, I don't know. Robin seems confident. He was a striker himself. So if anyone can kind of help him and maybe get some goals or get the best out of a forward, maybe it'll be Robin's. But I don't know. I'm really nervous to make any predictions about our season, to be honest. At the, at the halfway point, I think if you'd offered me this at the start of the season, I would take it. And if you'd offered me the chance to be loaning a striker from Brighton, I would probably be taking it because of the situation that we find ourselves in. I think the more worrying thing about it is the fact that we've now kind of gone over that loan quota for match day. And it's meant that somebody's going to have to sit out each week. And I don't know where, I don't know who he's going to choose. He said that that is all our business done for the window now, which worries me a little bit because injuries are huge. But yeah, I don't know, Victor, I suppose I'm going to have to leave my judgments until I've seen him play a little bit. I don't want to be too harsh on him. Um, I think I said before, I'll give him a chance. And, and I hope, I really hope he does do it. He's been he's been abroad, as I said last week, and in, in Germany, and they they really liked him. Um, and Ostergaard, who is obviously also on loan from Brighton, seems to really rate him as well. So let's give him a chance, eh? I suppose in terms of the other striker options, you've um, you've kind of had a few injuries there, if if I'm not mistaken. And I kind of think um, Tyler Walker's injury has affected you because not only has he got that kind of mobility, he's also got a bit of quality. Whereas you look at someone like Abaki Yoko, he's probably going to be a bit more raw, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe the Vega as well is only 16, 17. So, um, I, from what I know of uh, Giorgres, probably not the quickest. And um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, um, I, I, I'd imagine that Mark Robbins is hoping to get Tyler Walker back as soon as possible, really. Yeah, I think that's going to be the big thing. Um, he did say, it's funny, both of those strikers, both Walker and um, Giocarez, both don't seem to be players that want to be playing as a sole striker because he, he brought he brought him off on um, Tuesday night after about 80 minutes. And then after the game said the injuries meant we had to play him on our own, but also we didn't, we didn't want to give... Um, Reading too much of the ball in midfield because they can really hurt you. And, and they, I mean, they did. They got it into the forwards quickly and it was pretty horrible to watch. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think he basically alluded to the fact that once we can get Walker back in, who, like you say, really, I was absolutely chuffed with that signing. I know um, the Forest fans didn't really have much to say because they hadn't seen him a great deal, but he's definitely got quality. He's looked like he can play really well in a two when he was fit. So hopefully... If we can get him up to speed as quick as possible, I would like to see those two together because I think actually there's 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 definitely a partnership to be built there. Like you say, Walker's movement and quality is great. And I think the thing we haven't been doing is is making enough of those chances around the six-yard box and just getting in front of the man and scoring. We've been relying on um, everyone's favourite, Gustavo Hamer at the moment, to um, make something happen. And I think actually if we can just get a forward who maybe 
just does the business around that kind of six yard box, then then maybe maybe we can start to push on a little bit. But I think you're right. I think injuries have been a little harsh on us this season. So hopefully we can kick on once we've got a bit of a partnership in those two. Yeah, and the other mention from me in Coventry is um Matthew James coming in, which mm. um if you if you go on Andy's rule of looking at what people say on on social media, then it looks a great signing. But to be honest, even without that, it looks a really good signing. We've lost Kelly to another long-term injury and and I think he's going to be perfect to sit in that role. And and actually, something that I've been crying out for is to see Hamer pushed a little bit more forward, give him a bit more mobility. So maybe with James sitting there, um, kind of orchestrating from a little deeper, hopefully Hamer can get on the ball a bit more and, and start to control games. Yeah, I mean, I suppose because um, you've sometimes had Callum O'Hare playing as the uh, the number ten, but I um, I've spoken yeah. to uh, Dom Gerrans about this, and uh, and he thinks that you know O'Hare's main strength is actually what he does off the ball with that aggression and and that energy, I and, agree. and and maybe although he's decent technically, he's maybe not quite at the level where you'd want a whole attacking play to revolve around him. So maybe if you can kind of switch things around a little bit, so. Um, o- O'Hare sometimes drops maybe a little bit deeper and Hamer pushes on and then you've got Matty James kind of as that pivot kind of at the base uh, so maybe a little bit harder to read perhaps Yeah I, I think that would be perfect I think you're exactly right it is O'Hare's off the ball work that, um, that, that, is, that is brilliant to be honest and we saw that last season as well mm. um, he's just I don't think I've seen a player in a Coventry shirt like it, to be honest. He's so willing to run, but he'll also get a tackle. And at one stage in the season, he'd got like the highest success rate of tackles across the championship in midfield, which for someone like him, you assume is going to be in the number 10 role is, is, is pretty amazing. So yeah, I'm hoping that maybe he can drop off a little bit, drag out some defenders with him, and then that will free up, free up Hamer, as you say. But we'll have to see what Robin's plans are, because every time I assume he's going to do something, he seems to do the opposite. So um, we'll see. <laughs> So I suppose sticking with maybe our our teams a little bit, Luke, what have you got to say on uh, Carlisle at the moment? I know there was one in particular that you were pleased with. Uh, yeah, sharing the same surname as me. He'd already got a few mentions on the podcast, uh, <laughs> but but securing Reese Bennett uh, until the end of the season for Carlisle was uh, is going to be huge. Again, looking at the the fan base online, he, the, the one big reason he Reese Bennett decided to to stay was uh, the the inpouring of love on Twitter for him. And uh, yeah. every every tweet he sent out, he got about thirty replies saying sign a contract. So, <laughs> and he, again, with, with another Hayden on the podcast, it makes a really good, really good sense back partnership with with Aaron Hayden. Yeah, apart from that, I, I don't think there were big areas that needed to be improved in in that side. I think what Chris Beach was building was really, really positive, and and the whole aura around the club at the moment is really good. So I think that's that's all they needed, and I think um, especially with teams around them dropping points, I think that's all all, all they need to make a real promotion push this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think you, one of the things we're going to discuss is uh, best transfers, and uh, Reese Bennett would, would have been my pick um, for Carlisle. And uh, the one <laughs> thing that uh, really uh, intrigued me about Carlisle is that uh, your top goal scorer is uh, John Mellish, who's um, a, a defender by trade. I think you might have gone from Gateshead. And um, I think there was a lot of controversy at the start about. Uh, moving John Mellish into midfield and whether he had certain qualities for the role, because he's quite a big lad, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So yeah. a lot of people thinking he's kind of a natural centre-half. But that experiment from Chris Beach really seemed to have paid off based on, on that goal-scoring form. 
Yeah, I think he's got 10 goals in the league this season and, and he's been oh. injured for like a month, I think, or maybe more than that. He's he's just having the season of his life, really, Chris Beach. Um, to, to kind of round off the, the four clubs then, I think the only one person we haven't mentioned is Coventry loaning out Marcel Hilsner to, to Oldham, who I don't think James was so, sorry to see him go, but apparently he's had a good couple of games, hasn't he, James? Um, yeah, I think that's a little harsh on me there. <laughs> I, um, no look I think it was hard because you, you, we brought him in in the summer and it, it felt quite quite an interesting one for us I don't want to say this um, and and people sort of laugh but we're trying to follow a bit of a model similar to Brentford I think where we bring in a player that um, maybe isn't so well known kind of stretched that um, scouting net abroad a little bit uh, and trying to pick up some people and you know, not every single one's going to work. But when they come in, he was also kind of quite a big character. And he, his first few interviews when he signed, he was so confident in his own ability. And he kind of went through <laughs> the things he was great at. And, but as a fan, you kind of like, you can't help but get behind that. And you sort of think, oh yeah, I can't wait to get to see him. And then pre-season happens and he's sort of like, oh, well, where is he? And he he, he's, he played a couple of games in pre-season. And then it's come to light that he's had a few... Um, few injuries, a few fitness problems. And then a strange one, which I think I mentioned before, was the um, this kind of um, chest problem that he's had, which they've alluded to be in some sort of asthma. And it's taken a while for him to get over. And I think all of those added together, plus move into another country and another league, it's, it's a totally different way of playing. Um, just makes it so hard for, for the club to be able to justify then putting him in the team, um, especially at the moment, because we're not exactly playing in a way that lends itself to wingers. And I know he can play in the number 10 role and he is for, for Kuehl. Um, but I don't know. I think this just seems perfect. I think get him, get him out on loan, get some minutes in the tank, see what he's capable of, um, and then see where we're at at the end of the season. But as you say, they they seem to really, really enjoy him. He seemed to have a really good game at the weekend. I think he was involved in an incident. Um, someone lashed out at him at the weekend. Yeah, Lab- so. Labadee. Yeah, I think his, Labadee, his reputation yeah. probably preceded him in that sense. I think they say maybe <laughs> it wasn't um, uh, sending off, but... Um, yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting signing, I think, Keltner for Oldham, because they've already probably, I would say, that in terms of attacking midfield, um, yeah. that that's probably where they're already quite strong. They've got lots of good forward options. Um, I, I think speaking to Oldham fans, there's maybe uh, hoping they'll kind of strengthen that spine a little bit more. I think they may have been short of a deeper midfielder who can kind of dictate games and put their foot on the ball and maybe bring that bit of experience to, and probably an really dominant experienced centre-back as well that's probably where they're still missing and it'd be really interesting to see if they do any kind of business uh, in that area over the next few days it was um it's, it's made me smile a couple of times actually because it's like you've got a forward as your manager and it's like he's been given a bit of a budget and got excited and just started filling the team full of fellow forwards and then he'll suddenly <laughs> realise at some point oh I didn't build a spine oh well I got a load of forwards in it's sort of like hopefully they will bring that in because I think like you say there is a lot of potential in that team if they can just maybe bring in a bit more steel but um, but yeah I don't know if we um, necessarily covered Birmingham enough I don't know if you've um, got any <laughs> got anything to add in terms of the window for Birmingham and what you're hoping they'll do any rumours and that and that kind of thing yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know about rumours. I mean, I've, um, I'm not, I'm not an in the know. Um, but I, I think, um, <laughs> I, I, I think the main areas that a lot of Leeds fans are hoping will strengthen is at top because um, 
we've got two strikers in, Scott Hogan and uh, Lucas Djikovic, who kind of polar opposites. I mean, we've talked with Andy about sort of Tom Bradshaw and Matt Smith, and I think you'd make similar comparisons in the sense that Hogan's very much a poacher. I thought, you know, in the 1-0 win at Middlesbrough last week, he, uh, he passed pretty well and had a good game there, but um, he's not the most physical, so if you're going to play direct, that's not going to suit his, his game. And then with Lucas Djikovic, he's a very good target man at this level, um, but he's not got any pace. And I think um, Blues probably need an equivalent of, of a Kenneth Zahor, if you like, someone that's kind of um, you know a compromise between the two who can sort of run, run the channels and hold the ball up and, and hopefully get a few goals along with that. But um, yeah, I think with the right striker, I think that could make a big difference. But um, it's a home form that's been a main problem for Blues, uh, 10 points from uh, 54 since uh, since the first lockdown. Yeah, I won't comment on the home home form because it's also uh, a touchy subject for myself. <laughs> but I think yeah. ours might actually be all right at home. So um, <laughs> we'll move on swiftly from the home form. <laughs> um, you've brought in Rakeem, Rakeem Harper for, from West Brom, which which I know nothing about. Um, yeah, and Jaden sure. Reed on loan. Uh, Jaden Reed on loan from Warsaw as well. Um, in Warsaw, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and um, I, I just want to know how you thought your window's gone because. James and Andy are both fairly happy with how theirs has gone. Like Keithton Ball hasn't been seen holding the shirt yet, so we don't know if that's 100%. But yeah, just want, just wanted to know how you thought how the Birmingham transfer window has gone. Yeah, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think with uh, Rakeem Harper, um, not someone I've seen loads of. I think he seems like he's kind of more of an all-rounder. So you're probably less likely to be absolutely guaranteed in the same way that you are with Heathendale, that Harper is going to absolutely charge back and put a sliding tackle in and um, <laughs> an affect opponents that way. But I think you know maybe he might offer a, a bit more in possession, sort of take on, um, you know, carry the ball forward a little bit more, possibly a bit more progression in terms of passing, which you'll see on that one. Um, had a bit of a stint at West Brom a couple of seasons ago, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how that goes. I suppose, I think the issue is with uh, Ivan Sonic, um, he's very tenacious as well, like Ethan Bell, but again, a lot of Blues fans think um, you know, not good enough on the ball. So I suppose... Um, there's maybe Ice Karankas thinking that him and Keith Bell in the same midfield is maybe a little bit samey. Um, whereas I think with Reha- uh, Rakeem Harper, hopefully he can uh, bring something different. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's one thing to get excited about. It's always really hard, isn't it, when you get a lone player and you do, you kind of, you can't do a great deal of... of um of reading because you just don't know what version of that player you're going to get on loan. And sometimes it really gives them an opportunity and a platform to, to go and show it off. And sometimes it doesn't really work or you kind of, they take a little bit of time to get up to speed in terms of men's football again. And, and, and it's, it is hard. So I think some of those signings are interesting to watch, but yeah, I think some, some of the blues fans have, have not, not necessarily enjoyed this season uh, as they would have hoped to. So they'll be hoping to see some improvements, I'm sure, after January. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think, yeah, the football has been pretty uh, uninspiring. I think for lots of yeah. games, um, please be nil-nil at half-time in um, 
in a lot of games. I'm not quite sure how many, but certainly it seemed like in a lot of first halves, apart from Middlesbrough last week, you know, the game has been, the, the plan has been to kind of keep things tight and then hope that maybe a 10, 15 minutes spell in the second half, we can you know get on top and, and maybe make a goal. But I think sometimes even when that's happened, um, we've kind of dropped back on our lead to uh, too readily, I think, and uh, and maybe drop points from, from winning position. So I think there's certainly question marks about whether Aitkaranka has been getting enough out of the squad, because I think in terms of individual players that we've signed, um, a lot of them have probably improved the squad, but we've kind of got to be mindful as well of the fact that we've been uh, battling relegation um, for much of the last sort of decade, really. So, um, so, so there is mitigating circumstances in that sense. But I think if we're in the same position this time next year, then I think you'd really have to ask questions of, of Karanka. But but now I suppose as a fan, I'm kind of just about willing to to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think um, just to, to finish, you were talking about after half time. Luke was laughing at me uh, <laughs> during the Reading game because I think what was the stat, Luke? It was something like Coventry have conceded the least goals in the first half, but the most in the second half. I mean, what is uh, just uh, just despairing? What well, as soon as we kick off the second half, you're just thinking, oh no, here we go. <laughs> and then John so, Swift uh, smashes one in from like thirty feet. Yeah, not much you can do about that. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on on clearly Millwall and, and, and Carlisle, but I always keep an eye on Blues, particularly because of a situation um, at the moment with the stadium share. And it is interesting being around the same sort of position in the table um, and, and kind of seeing how people are reacting to that. But it was it was an interesting couple of games last season when we had the uh, the the, the cup game. Yeah. yeah, sitting in your home end was um, was a weird one for me. And then... I was sat right behind the goal when O'Hare missed the chance from about two yards out and uh, not sure I've forgiven him for that. But anyway. <laughs> Very brutal. <laughs> no, I do love him. I, I do love him. Um, so I think I think you kind of mentioned it earlier, Gab, um, and, and I was kind of hoping to maybe pick your brains a little bit on what you thought some of the better transfers were across the leagues and then perhaps some that you're you kind of not so sure on or, or maybe that teams didn't need. I know, like you said, Hillsner is a good is a good player or, or potentially a good player, but maybe not what they needed. So um, I don't know if you wanted to kind of maybe take the lead on on um, any signings that stand out for you across the divisions. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? And Perry and G Carlisle United is um, yeah. one that I'm really uh, excited about. Um, in League Two, I thought he was absolutely uh, outstanding for Crew. He's, um, he's probably not a... Um, a flying fullback in the sense of kind of raw pace, but he can kind of elude opponents pretty well, very good technically. And that's his great career. He's um he's played centre back, so I think that shows a lot about you know what they make of his defensive abilities. Um and um and yeah, he's also he was also captain of crew, so clearly got good leadership qualities there. Um whether it's gonna be a bit of a, a shift, isn't it, in terms of the, the style because Playing in a, a 4 3 3 under David Artel, very much possession based side, to all of a sudden playing under Mick McCarthy. Um, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge <laughs> for him. So it be interesting to see how he gets on from that point of view. I always wonder about that as well when the signings come in and then you get a new manager, um, mm. particularly when the, when the styles contrast so much. Does how I wonder how he feels in that situation and if he's still sort of thinking, oh, am I, am I going to get the game time and. and 
you know, where do I now fit? So yeah, I think that is a really interesting one, but clearly a lot of potential there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's a, I, I feel like he'd probably prefer a, a possession-based um, side, but it can be interesting yeah. to see um, what, what happens with McCarthy because um, he's been given the contract, I believe, until the end of the season. So a uh, similar situation, I suppose, to Neil Warnock at Middlesbrough where they kind of gave him a contract uh, until the end of last season and then they kind of reassessed it from there and gave him a new contract. So it's going to be interesting to see from Gardner's point of view, do they stick with McCarthy uh, for another season or do they go in a different direction? Yeah, because they've obviously thought of these signings with a manager not in mind. I mean, it would have been at the back of their minds that Harris wasn't going to last much longer. I mean, obviously they've brought in Max Waters as well. So transfer-wise, it seems quite exciting for Cardiff. But then again, on the pitch, maybe not so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether Max Waters uh, is going to uh, step up. Um, I, I'm kind of mindful of, of how quickly he's risen. It's kind of, it's a bit of a trend signing, I think, Max Waters. Because he's been, don't get me wrong, he's been an unbelievable form uh, for Crawley. But this is someone who was out of um, out of contract as recently as October. And um, yeah. I, I do feel that Cardiff have maybe kind of reacted to that form where if you look at the signings um, I mean and D has definitely earned his championship because he's been good for two and a half three years um, so you've got that he's got that consistency under his belt whereas with, with Max Waters it, it's three months and um, adding to the fact that it's slightly different uh, style of football a lot more on balls um, hopefully he'll be playing off key for more so, so, that, so that might be a factor but um, I look at some the signing of someone like Ben Whiteman at uh, Preston North End and he's someone who's played well consistently in the lower divisions for three or four years so you know that he's in a very good position to step up championship level and I think that was going at St Andrews um, in the previous league game so generally although there's something exciting about going after a lower league player that's in a real hot streak I think it's better to go for someone that's proven themselves in the lower division with over a longer period of time. Yeah, definitely. And on that Whiteman one, I mean, it looks a great signing, doesn't it? But yes, yeah, mm. I think I think you're right. It's an interesting one there as well, because I think maybe for, well, at least two seasons, including this one now, people have been kind of sniffing around Whiteman and wondering where he would end up. Um, but yeah, that one looks a great signing. Like you say, I think you can get caught up in that kind of like love story, if you like, of, oh, it's a lower league player who's on an absolute hot streak and it's like, oh, let's get him in. It'll kind of, you know, it's a bit exciting. But, you know, you I think we want, you, you've got to want him to do well. You've got to want him to step up and and hopefully he will because then hopefully other clubs will will start to do similar things. There's, there's a couple of things I don't know um, as well about how, and this is going to be an interesting thing to say, but how the, uh, the Brexit thing seems to have worked because I know that that's meant that teams can't go as far and wide, I think Robin's alluded to the fact that we wouldn't have been able to have brought Hamer in um, under the same conditions this time round. So I don't know if that will encourage people to maybe stay within the lower leagues and, and look look down. But but yeah, it's going to be interesting. So um, any others that have stood out for you? Uh, in terms of other signings, um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? See, um, uh, there's Janoi uh, Janastian who's gone to uh, to Fleetwood. Uh, be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, Someone who's uh, kind of played in the, the lower divisions, I think, with uh, Stanley and with, uh, with Newport. And um, he's uh, quite an athletic uh, right-back, I think. And, um, yeah, hopefully that could be a good signing for, 
Fleetwood. And, and of course, with Fleetwood, the, the wider question is um, who's going to get the permanent job? Um, from, from what Andy Billy's been saying, uh, it could be uh, Simon Wiles. Uh, he seems, certainly seems to be very supportive of Wiles and have a lot of belief uh, in his ability as, as a coach. And there seems to be more praise for the interim manager than you would normally get in these sorts of situations. So um, I've got a feeling they might go for Wiles. Yeah, I mean, Tim Cahill is still the uh, bookies' favourite. So, I mean, for content for this podcast, that would be absolutely perfect. But like you say, I think I think Wiles may be the, the better option for them at the moment. Well, just, just I think, yeah, he's got that knowledge of the first team squad because he's been working at the club as a youth team manager. And um, I suppose... I, th- I think with Fleetwood, they've um, they've always been a side that's kind of spent a lot of money due to the external investment that Billy's been able to give them. But I think sometimes if you have so many players that are kind of around the 30 mark and have already done it, either at this level or, or above, sometimes you need one or two players that can kind of rejuvenate the group, bring that sort of youthful energy and hunger. And a bit like Harvey, when Harvey Saunders first came in, he scored them. Um, the goals against Hull in that game on TV in October and I'm, I'm surprised that Fleetwood haven't actually gone with a few more players like that that can just give everyone else uh, a bit of a lift because I think sometimes you need that balance between youth and experience and it feels like they've not had that so far this season Fleetwood but given that Wiles has got that knowledge of, of the youth team I think that could be um, could add an interesting dimension to them. Absolutely. Uh, one signing I was going to pick your brains about is uh, Harry Darling yeah, going from Cambridge to MK Dons, he's well. He's actually a friend of a friend, uh, so I've always had a an eye on him at Cambridge. And obviously, with Richard Keogh leaving MK Dons, it looks like he's going to fit straight into that position. So they're really going for a slight change at the back there, with a experience to to no League One experience. Yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Um, I, I think one or two MK Dons fans actually tweeted me about that signing, and I think my reaction was uh, counted defender. I think uh, showing a bit of promise. He's um, had two or three seasons, I think, now with with Cambridge, so probably naturally you'd think ready to step up the division. Um, I'm not quite sure how he's going to fill Keo's boots, though, because obviously Keo's someone that's played at championship level with Derby and been proud of promotion pushes at that level as well. And, and obviously that leadership qualities um, and I suppose know-how as well is quite quite important to work uh, to MK. And um, how they're going to do with two 21-year-old centre-backs in that back three, um, that's going to be the interesting thing. I think there's a theory from MK Dons fans that Warren Nehora, who um, they got from Brighton, might have signed him on a permanent deal now, but they certainly had him on loan. Um, he's very vocal, so there's a possibility that he might be able to fill that leadership void from PA. But I think, given that they're both 21, and Dean Lewington, I think, is about 38 now, so I'm not quite sure he's at the level he, he used to be. So that, that's an area they need to look at as well. I think they had Daniel Harvey moving him to left side of centre back in, in the previous game. Um, yeah, where's the leadership going to come from in that experience? I'm not quite sure, really, to see if they bring someone else in more in the PA mould. I think just on that as well, I've, I mean, obviously, um, I watched Coventry last season try and pass their way out of the league. But some of the stuff that they have played down at MK has been pretty um, brave, to be honest. Um, they've, they've really played it out of the back quite nicely. I've seen some clips of some ridiculously risky stuff, but when it works, it looks really good. 
And you're sort of thinking, you know, maybe Keo, like you say, has the leadership to, to kind of keep them doing that and gives them a little bit of faith that that's a way of playing. And you just hope that the youngster can sort of come in and, and carry on doing it with confidence. But again, it's, it's great to see them, them kind of filling fill in the role with with someone from a lower division and and hopefully he can do it especially for Andy if he's keeping an eye on him <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> also uh, worth mentioning uh, when it comes to MK that they've got Luke Williams as, a, as an assistant and uh, Williams was actually on the coaching staff when uh, when Swindon played some great football at this level a few years ago and, and Matt People was kind of the figurehead that year, but I think a lot of people felt Luke Williams was kind of maybe the brain behind the operation. And um, didn't quite work out for Williams when he was actually the number one at Swindon. But um, I think he's got a very good tactical mind. And I think if you ally that with the man management and motivational qualities of someone like Russ Martin, who's very much a people person and brings everyone together, I think that's a really exciting management team. So um, I don't think MK will, will challenge for the playoffs this season, but you know maybe next year, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put a push together. Yeah, you you mentioned some old like players in their mid mid to to late thirties and and Richard Keogh. I think his move to Huddersfield to the end of the season is a bit. Um, I don't think Huddersfield are in that much trouble, but they do have the worst defence in the championship. And with Christopher Schindler and Richard Stearman out, I think it's a bit make or break. Um, also, you said about Ben Whiteman. Uh, I think replacing him is going to be quite tough. I don't know if they're, they're going to play yeah. Taylor Richards a bit deeper because, well, it seems like half the EFL are Brighton Loneys at the moment and he's another one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Doncaster, because they, they've got the chance to go top if they win their games in hand. I know everyone says if we win our games in hand is a bit of a cliche, but they, they've been doing really well. And that, I think that's a big, big loss. But... What would you say is your best signing of the window so far? Best signing of the window so far in um, it's a good. I mean, I suppose in terms of the EFL generally, um, I probably would go with uh, with Ben Whiteman because I'm really excited to see uh, how he gets on. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting as well to see uh, the impact that it has on Doncaster. They've um, quite recently got into a re- uh, an interesting trend of putting full fullbacks in midfield because they've got. Um, <laughs> Reese James, who's um, sort of a left back and um, sort of quite a direct left back, probably not the most technical player, but he's started playing in midfield recently for Doncaster. And then they've got Brad Halliday in there as well. So um, that's kind of interesting to see how that sort of comes together. But um, yeah, Taylor Richards, you mentioned there, I think is a really good uh, technical player. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do well if he drops a bit deeper, because I think he's someone who can kind of break lines with his passing ability. And mm. um, um, I think, yeah, I've, it, am I making this up? They might have been linked with Charlie Colker, Colkett, who's um, sort of started his career at Chelsea as an attacking midfielder. So wow. it could be that they bring Colkett in and then drop, uh, drop Taylor Richards further back. That could be one solution for them. Got to hope that they can fill the gap and really push for promotion because I, I think Ben Whiteman is a really good signing. Still only 24. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I can't believe he's still 24. It feels like we've been talking about him for... For so long, but I think that's the big thing for Doncaster, and it always feels harsh when you get someone like that taken from you. Um, and obviously, they would have probably got the money they wanted, and etc. Mm. But it's such a big hole when you're trying to push for promotion, and I'm sure the fans are feeling a little bit deflated on that one, although they probably knew it was coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean they've certainly got several years of, of good service out of, of Ben Whiteman, and I think yeah. maybe 
this is the sort of time to look at the yet uh, wide perspective. Uh, not something that you know football fans like myself are always able to do, because uh, we feel <laughs> sort of quite emotional about about our teams. But um, but I, I think generally speaking, like um, because of the absence of gate revenue, of course, uh, you know, the income that you get from transfer fees becomes obviously that bit more important. And hopefully, this this can keep Doncast going for um, for for a while. Yeah, I think it was a reported 1.5 million, but it might have been undisclosed to start with. But that doesn't seem like much. <laughs> if you get promoted, they get more money if he, if he stayed. <laughs> yeah, but then it's the risk, isn't it? And, and um, I think I think there was something I was going to ask you, and uh, I, you, you may not have an answer for this one. But is there any that maybe yeah, you kind of you don't really see working out, or you can't maybe understand why why someone has, has brought someone in? Um, yeah, I'm not going to say. Uh, Pick my worst signings because invariably <laughs> they're going to go, go on and do brilliantly, and I'm going to look like a right idiot. <laughs> um, I, I suppose um, surprising signings. I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it that, that way. Um, Jaden Stockley to Charleston um, is a really interesting one for me because. If you talk to Exeter fans about Jaden Stockley, they absolutely love him because he was an absolute aerial beast for yeah. them a couple of seasons <laughs> ago. Um, the press, it, it hasn't worked out uh, as he would have hoped. And I think because so much of his game is about his heading ability, um, that maybe means that he finds it harder to fit into different styles. And, you know, I think Stockley's been okay for the North End when he's been an option from the bench and, you know, they can go direct to him and put crosses in and things like that. But I think as a starting option, I think he can kind of limit them and, and possibly even slow them down. I think his mobility for championship level um, hasn't been great. And I think what, what strikes me about Charlton is that when they've been at their best this season, they've had players who can play a quick one-touch football in that final third. Um, Chuck Hanike and and Johnny Williams both very quick-minded yeah. players. And I feel like if you have Jaden Sockley there, I would worry for Charlton in terms of a bit like Omar Bogle, who they signed um, in the summer, that maybe that's going to kind of halt the momentum rather than keep it going. So I think no, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with having us bringing in a striker that's got a bit of physical prowess, but you want someone that's also got a bit of mobility so that they can kind of adapt to those fast-paced attacks. And I'm not quite sure that Stockley's game. So that's a signing that I would question. But as we all know, we, you know, we can easily be proven wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's sort of on Luke's theory of the club, just bringing in as many strikers as possible there. I mean, I think they've got about five or six at Charlton now. They've also brought in uh, Liam Miller on loan from Liverpool, who's going to be a really interesting yeah. one. But yeah, like like I said, I mean, Omar Bogle, Connor Washington, Stockley, Paul Smith on loan from QPR as well. I mean, there's, there's five or six of them playing, aiming for one or two positions there. So hopefully for, so we can laugh at Gab's prediction there, Stockley. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's hope you can. Um, I suppose um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, I think striker position is probably the one area that they've struggled to to get right this season because they've got lots of attacking midfielders who can uh, do damage. And, and one of them is uh, Liam Miller, who uh, Andy mentioned there. And I think he brings quite a lot of quality kind of cutting into that left-hand side. Um, impressed me again at Brinkton a couple of weeks ago. And I think that partnership with Ian Martin, who they got on loan from Chelsea, has a lot of uh, a lot of potential. So that's, again, and that's something that I'll be looking to, to to work around. So 
that's, that's one sort of positive for Charlton fans. I mean, in terms of the rest of the season, we've, we're kind of at that halfway point now. Uh, I think we've, we've just stepped over the halfway point, maybe, um, depending on how badly teams have been hit by injury slash COVID cases, um, which is obviously something that's going to be interesting to see how they figure out finishing the season. But um, how do you kind of, you can feel free to start with our teams again, if you wish, but how do you see the rest of the season um, playing out? Is it, do you think there's going to be any surprise packages maybe coming through in that second half of the season? Or do you think, so for example, the championship looks like it's going to be a battle between the teams that probably most people would have put there at the start of the season. Uh, that, that kind of Carlisle race is going to be interesting because teams seem to be almost handing the, uh, the top spot to one another and not wanting to take it off Carlisle. So do you kind of, how do you see the seasons playing out across the EFL? And do you see any surprise packages coming through or, or maybe dropping down? Yeah, um, I think in terms of um, surprise packages for teams that I think will do well, um, I'm a big fan of Barnsley. I love their wing-backs, um, Callum Britton and Callum Styles. Um, if they can keep hold of Styles, I think that's going to be massive for yeah. them. And I, I, I love their high-energy play. It really impressed me last season. And, and of course, they've got Corley Woodrow as well. He's a really technical forward. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like Barnsley and the work that they do. I think... Um, MK, who we've already touched on, I can see them into the top half. But one team I, I do want to mention is um, is Barrow. They've got a manager in Michael Jolly, who um, I'm quite a big fan of, and um, I think they can they can mix their game up because they've got Scott Quigley at top, who's um, I you know one of the we've talked about target men before, and I think with Quigley he's six foot four, but I think what I like about him is he's um, he's quite mobile as well, so he can kind of receive the ball at shoulder height, he can sort of swivel, and he can run direct at fences, and I think. You know, Barrow have come up to this level playing generally possession football, playing out from the back. But I think one thing they have got is that ability to sometimes mix their game up and go direct quickly and open teams up that way. So Barrow's shot data has been pretty strong and yeah. um, much of the campaign. I actually thought David Dunn was maybe a little bit unlucky to be dismissed. But I think Michael Jolly is a good appointment and I would expect him well away from uh, the relegation dogfight. And and their fans seem pretty pleased with with his selections in this window and what he's bringing in. Um, again, similar to Andy, um, a family friend of mine is is Dior Angus, so I, I keep an oh, eye okay. on on, um, on. Yeah, my, my my old man played football with his old man. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> so so I always keep an eye on um, on them. And yeah, I think you're right. I think they've got something they can really build on now. Um, and I think. I can't remember one of our earlier episodes. I actually said that I thought it was a harsh sacking, and and these two told me no, no, it was the right thing to do. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I think actually on on paper maybe it was wasn't the worst thing to do because now I think you're right. They have brought a manager in who can steady that ship a little bit and start to build, and hopefully they will push on because it's, it's good to see them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think Michael Jolly did a good job at uh, Grimsby. Obviously, they're probably yeah. they're after when he took over at Grimsby. They were the most out of form team in English football. Uh, he managed to keep them up, and then the following season they kind of stabilised in in mid table. And I think maybe in that third season, um, he kind of switched to a more direct game. He brought in James Hansen, who's obviously the quintessential target man and um and maybe they became a little bit too predictable but the year before that they were actually playing some good stuff so I think that if Barrow can um sort of keep playing some of the good football that they've played in the National League 
around some time to go to Scott quickly and have that unpredictability about them. I think they're going to be you know, a tough team to stop. And you look at them, they beat Cheltenham 3-0, and obviously we know how well Cheltenham are doing this season. Um, yeah. Yeah, shop data, as I, as I mentioned before, has got them as pretty much a, a top-half side, if not borderline playoffs. So um, I do expect some good results for them. Um, so, yeah, I think much to like about them. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. Barrow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Lump yeah. your money on. <laughs> yeah. Lump on Barrow. Top goal scorer. Barrow Ray. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gab, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and, and kind of pick your brains on a few things there. So um, thank you very much and, and, and have a great rest of the weekend. Yeah, cheers, folks. It's been great to chat to you and uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll see you again very soon. At St. Yes, Andrews. At St. Andrews. <laughs> let's, let's hope so. See you later, Gab. Cheers, folks. Well, I just want to say a um, huge thanks to Gab Sutton there for joining us and giving us some great insight into the transfer window and all things across the Football League. If you want a bit more from Gab, then um, find him on Twitter. It's at Gab Sutton for all things EFL. He's got some great content on there for you. Next week, we'll be back to a normal episode with all of your favourite features like Luke's quiz, goal of the week, and of course, high risk, high reward. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, um, boys, I think all that leaves me to do really is say um, have a great rest of the weekend and uh, cheers for joining. Yep, see you next Monday. See you next Monday. He <laughs> stole my line. <laughs> Geography teacher, so I have that little map in the background. So if anything goes wrong, I can just start pointing at that. (laughs) You'd think you'd be better at the technology by now, then. But but here here we are. I've just swapped to the slap. We'll start using the map at some point. We'll uh, we'll (laughs) test you on the foreign capitals uh, in future. Uh, Sorry, I think I think you're all breaking up there. I'm going to have to go. I'm not going to start cough straight away. I've had COVID, by the way, so you don't need to worry. <laughs> I feel late, man. <laughs> probably sitting there thinking, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> um, so am I, to be fair. And that's Andy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>